He's blonde and bitchin'. She's sporty and sassy. Together, they're perfectly imperfect. It's Jesse and Jenna's messy podcast. Cheers! <laughs> well, our guest today is a real live gay pop star. Hey. No, I'm not talking about one of my GI Joes from the '90s, but. Jeff Graham, a.k.a. OMG Classic, is a successful blogger. He writes about wine with his sexy husband. We'll talk about that, too. But he's also a pop star living in Toronto, but mentally in the 90s. Jeff says growing up as a queer kid in rural Ontario taught him how to cope with loneliness through expressing himself creatively, darling. And one time, he even turned his parents' basement into an art studio and charged tickets so he could save up and buy a karaoke machine. Cute! Right? That's well, not just cute, that's really smart and innovative. Well, you know why I did that? And this might seem really stupid, but um, I had no other way of like capturing songs that I loved. Like, I guess you could do it with a cassette recorder, but like when I saw something on Much Music, for example, on TV, I saw, I remember seeing the Spice Girls wannabe video and I was like, this is amazing, I'm so obsessed. But I had no way of like going into the record store and being like, there was this video with like these girls running around, uh, you know, an, a, an old whatever it was hotel and like, can I get that CD? So I would record myself singing the songs on my karaoke machine. And that was my way of like remembering the lyrics. I'm like, you know, it goes, if you want to be my lover. And you were like your own Shazam. I was, I was Shazam before it was Shazam, OMG. Shazam. Don't you wish that you would have came up with a Shazam idea too? Oh yeah. There are so many apps. Like, Jesse, why didn't one of us come up with Grindr? We would be I know! <laughs> Here we are on gay.com. My ASL. Come on. I know. But um, I love, too, that you brought the karaoke machine to show them what song you wanted instead of a yak back, because I guess it was even before yak backs. You could have just... It, it was before yak backs. You know what? I always wanted... Remember the talk boy from Home Alone? When he was oh, like, yeah, Mr. Yeah. McAllister, the father. I really wanted one of those, but my mom wouldn't buy me one. I don't know. I, there were so many things I wanted as a kid, like an easy bake oven, but I got creepy crawlers. It's well, just... and creepy crawlers were awesome too. Yeah. Don't hate on creepy crawlers. Like they, they were, they were cool. But, but I think the reason that toys were so iconic in that era from like the like late 80s to the nine into the 90s was because there wasn't as many safety regulations and our parents just didn't give a shit. Like we went outside and it was like, come back before the lights go dark. You know, go ahead, go to that stranger's house. It's okay. Totally. And I think I remember so many stories of, of like easy bake ovens, like causing a fire. And I don't know if those are urban <laughs> legends, but I wouldn't be surprised if not. Just at Jenna's um, house. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what were but you listen, taking in that? You're not here to talk about toys. You're here to talk about this iconic album. I'm calling it iconic. You just released Thank it last you. week. It's called One Hit Wonder. I am not joking, Jeff, when I say, there it is. I have had that thing on repeat since Friday. It is officially my new like Halloween weekend because I'm always going to associate it now with Halloween. Like Britney yes, Blackout. gay Christmas. You know, gay Christmas. That's right. This album reminds me of like Aqua meets Electric Circus meets what else maybe a little britney every gay club i've ever been to. i think there's a, like a, even a little tiffany-esque in there you know from that genre a few songs like omg uh, that sorry omg classic was that's it? his name omg no classic. no no but there's a song on the, the album mix thank maybe. you yeah, that yeah, reminded yeah. me a lot of that OMG and yeah Megamix. yeah oh. thank you so much first of all those are all literally my favorite artists um i was born in 86 and i feel like you know the 80s were the advent of MTV, like the whole video killed the radio star thing. Obviously we didn't have MTV here in Canada at that time, but we did have much music and electric circus and all the 80s weekends. I remember 
watching the 80s music video weekends with my dad, like I was like four and I was obsessed with, you know, Cyndi Lauper and Madonna and all those amazing pop stars. And have you seen that meme that's been going around and it's like, my son can't be gay. He's obsessed with women. And then it's like the women and it's like literally the <laughs> That was that was me as a kid. I was obsessed. And then, of course, um, going into the 90s, you know, kind of took one of two directions. You either were into, like, grunge, like Nirvana and Hole, um, or Aqua and Ace of Bass and, you know, later Britney Spears and all the teen pop idols of, of that time. And, yeah, I was, I was just obsessed. I was just obsessed with anything colorful and catchy and bright. And that's obviously what inspired the album. All the songs are inspired by that time in music, the, the late 80s and, you know, through the 90s and even the early 2000s. Um, actually, do you want me to talk a little bit about, like, where it all started? Well, we'll get into well, that. And I was going to say, time. though, but your timing is perfect because if you don't, if you just take a look around Sandy Hill, like, I'm in Ottawa, so Sandy Hill's where all the university students go to, like, live and stuff. And if you look around, you see these, like, flashes of the 80s and 90s coming out with the pants and the fashion and bringing back the fluorescence. So I feel like there's a resurgence of that, that era coming back and, you know, really being able to capture it and make it into 2020 is really smart marketing move right now. For sure. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I always feel like, I mean, I'm in my mid thirties now, so but um, not nothing wrong with that. Speak it happens. It happens. You know? I know. As I'm not quite as like finger on the pulse with like what's cool now anymore. I'm I'm, I'm literally living in like 1998. But um, I always look at like Urban Outfitters, for example. I feel like that's such a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Urban Outfitters really captures like what the kids nowadays are wearing, and everything there is like tie dye and like the oversized sweaters and like ripped jeans and you know all, all the old like 90s logos like Ralph Lauren and Tommy Hilfiger and I think Club Monaco I even saw the other yeah. day and I was like oh my gosh but, I had a sweater of that in every color Esprit uh, remember Esprit of course Esprit I just heard Le Chateau's closing down that's Bad. Canadian you know throwback I, you know? I, I can't tell you how many pairs of flared jeans I've bought at Le Chateau back in the day. I'm waiting for boot cuts to come back. I like a little flair at he the bottom. He still wears his boot cuts. <laughs> but Jeff, this whole 90s resurgence is kind of a happy accident for you because I feel like, and I followed you for a long time, you were going with this theme and this brand, whether or not they came back in style. So it's kind of perfect timing for you. Yeah, for sure. It's always been my thing. And the name OMG Classic, like, Honestly, it started from a catchphrase. It was something I would always say, like as a kid, literally in the 90s, um, something would happen. I'd be like, oh my God, classic. Or like, I don't know, it just was something I would say. And I got kind of stuck with the word classic. Everyone associated me with that. And so then that was where I picked my screen name. And then when I started making music, I'm like, Jeff Graham, that's the whitest name ever. I don't think that's <laughs> a mistake. So I'm like, let's just use my screen name. Like it's weird. It, it catches people's attention. And so I did. And um, so that's where that came from. And you don't um, need to be a band to have a band name anymore. Well, and, Gaga changed that. I know. No, and exactly. also take a look at Sorry. some of the names these days that you see, like Party Next Door. And right. like, do you know what I mean? You're not seeing these like one name artists anymore. It's it's always something different, something. You have to do everything to stand out. Totally. Totally. Um, so I guess when I started making music was back in 2012, I had a bucket list. I was 25 at the time and I had a list of 20 things that I wanted to accomplish before I turned 30. So one of them was to write and record a song. 
And like 2012 was still the iTunes era. It was before, you know, Spotify and Apple Music and all the streaming stuff. So now everyone is making music and that's the coolest thing about it. It's become so easy. Like we have all the tools at our fingertips to, to do it. You know what I mean? We can really, like you can meet producers online. You can take friggin' like singing lessons online. You can do anything. So back in the nineties, you know, that was just a pipe dream. I, I always wanted to have my own album as a kid. And I'm like, one day I want to be, you know, on Kids Incorporated or whatever. But you know, it was, you just couldn't. It was all about who you knew at that time. But nowadays anybody can make music. So I did, I started eight years ago and that was a, a big dream. And it was kind of the first thing I, I wanted to check off the bucket list. So I wrote um, the song called Champagne that's actually on the album because I love wine too. Um, hey, we're all drinking. Show us well, your cup, by the vodka, way. This is vodka, but it's vodka yes. today. Look at speaking uh, of the 80s, Sophia Petrillo. So yeah, I have Sophia Petrillo. And funny story about these mugs, and I'll get back to the music in a sec, but I posted um, something on Instagram. with This is Blanche Devereaux, but everyone thought it was Donald Trump. Oh so my gosh! They're like, oh my God, why are you drinking out of a Donald Trump tiki glass? I'm like, I'm like it's Blanche fucking Devereaux. And where did you get those? They're, they're Golden Girls tiki glasses in like yeah. tiki form and style. They are amazing. Um, my best friend Chris got them for me for my birthday. Uh, we have a tiki bar in our back garden. So I'm like obsessed with it. Um, the whole tiki vibe. We have torches and everything. So as soon as these came in the mail, I, I about lost my mind. So Right. Oh, yeah. I would too. Those are amazing. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah. So back to the music thing. So yeah, 2012, I wrote that song Champagne. And... Is it about know. your husband, though? Because he, I know his screen name is something about champagne. It is. That came after. Um, and he's up in the bath right now. Being, <laughs> oh. Take yeah. us up. Say hello. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We have a sign, a neon sign that says send nudes above the bathtub. So maybe that would... Um, you get us some more downloads, I think. Send some love our way. Yeah. Um, um, but, you, but before you move forward, you were talking about, uh, you know, trying to create music now. It's so much accessible. You have so many more resources. It makes it easier. But also that increases the competition and it makes it very hard to get noticed and really break through the clutter. You know, like Justin Bieber, Shawn Mendes, they were very lucky with their timing. Now it's a lot harder. So do you find it really a lot more easier? Is it just more accessible for you to make great content and great music? Yeah, it's easier in the sense that there are so many people doing it. So connecting with producers and other people, like I write all my own songs. Um, I don't produce the tracks, obviously, because I haven't learned how to do that, but I, I write them all myself. But yeah, um, meeting with producers and other stuff online is so much easier. Um, as you said, there's a lot more competition and it's a lot harder to make money. Like even back in the iTunes day, you sold a song and you made, you know, 75 cents off the 99 cents or whatever. Nowadays you make 0.003 cents for every stream. So like you get like 2000 streams and you make like $4. So <laughs> I know you guys are like, so well, you've got at least five bucks for me. How many times I've played <laughs> Teen Magazine? I'm not joking. I know every lyric already. <laughs> I am ready to be in the music video, please. That's one of the only ones on the album that I don't have a video for. So once COVID is over, it's happening. Uh, I'm, I'm getting he, he even went and got cool sculpted the other day. So oh, he's yeah. ready. I, I saw that. Did that work? <laughs> well, ask me in three months. It takes a long time for the oh. fat to break down, but. We'll see. Okay. Keep following me, everyone. I'll post a selfie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, yes. I love that song. And so what were you just saying, though? Sorry, I totally interrupted you. So I was talking about where it started with Champagne. And so back in the day, that was 2012. Um, 
I released that song on iTunes and like, honestly, it did really well. Like, that's why I call this album my greatest hit. Cause like, that was the only one that was kind of a hit. But anyway, that was before Spotify and everything. And I sold like 5,000 copies and I made, you know, a few thousand dollars, um, which paid for the rest of the music that I made. And yeah, it was like top in the, in the chart in Canada and everything. So that was cool. Um, and I that, think that is what I, I remember what I was going to say. That's what makes you stand out is your genre is very different from what you find out there. And it's risky because some people would maybe say it's cheesy or it's poppy or teen, you know, but I like that kind of music and I don't find that anywhere. So that's why I'm obsessed with this album is because for people who like that stuff, there's not maybe. a lot out there. So and, that's what makes And you, you haven't heard it in a very long time. In about well, 20 years. <laughs> right. And I, I was also kind of inspired like around that 2012, 2013 was like when Kesha was you know, kind of doing things. And um, that was like, I think Britney's Hold It Against Me, like uh, was that Femme Fatale album was out. So like there was that kind of like resurgence of pop before things went, you know, a different direction again. So it worked at that time for sure. But um, yeah, I've always been obsessed with, with that sound. And then I guess the first song, this, this is obviously not my full-time job. This is a hobby of mine and a passion that I've turned into a cool little side hustle. But that first song really ignited something in me that was like, wow, this is cool. I can do this. You know, people are responding to it. And it's a great creative outlet. Like some people, you know, write, some people paint. Like who's to say you can't make music, especially now, you know, like I said, we have all the tools at our fingertips. So I went on to do a number of other songs over the, the, last eight years and like all kind of a little snapshot of my life. So I did, you know, a song for our wedding, um, which was Masquerade because we had a masquerade. Hey, I got the track list here. I have questions because I've been listening. And, but you said something just a few minutes ago that I find really interesting is that you write your lyrics, but you don't write the music. And the thing about this album is every song is so catchy. And so it must be difficult for what? Right. I was going to say, but what comes first, the music or the beat? For me, so for me, I always start with an idea. (laughs) Sorry, I was just like, I just interrupted you. (laughs) No, it's all good. I always start with an idea, so, or like a title. So I have a book of titles because I think for me, like titles are what really draw you to a song. It's like judging a book by its cover, right? Like if you have a cool song title, the chances of you or someone listening to it, I think are greater. So like there's a song called Don't Worry, Everything's Gonna Be Fucking Amazing, which is the latest song that I did, which obviously is about the current, you know, situation in the world. Um, So I always start with kind of like an idea or titles. And then I go to, I have a few friends that are producers now that I've met online and um, we work something out that kind of fits the energy of the song. And then I write from there. So so it's very much collaborative, very Mariah Carey of you. Yeah, very Mariah Carey. Well, the one thing about Mariah Carey that inspired me the most is not her music. It's her um, obsession with lighting. I was actually going to set up downstairs in front of my bar because I felt like that would be very apropos for the messy podcast. But the lighting down there was so homophobic. I'm like, this is (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There's a reason we record in front of a large bay window. No, are you kidding me? We have lights and everything. We have a huge studio in front of us. Uh, I'm in front of a window too. I was going to bust out the ring light, but then I'm like, Use what, you know, Mother Nature gave us. Right. Windows lighting is great. Yeah. Anyway, um, I find that great that you kind of collaborate. Because I was thinking if you wrote all the lyrics and then gave it to one of these amazing producers and they came back with something like Teen Magazine, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's pretty cool. But it's not that easy. You have to work together. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, and so I guess, so as I was kind of saying, I wrote all these songs over the course of the last eight years. 
um, all different like vignettes of my life. And then um, over COVID, I was like really itching to do, do some more music. So I wrote, don't worry, everything's going to be fucking amazing, which is the last song. And then I was like, I think I want to combine all of these into an album because they were all just like, mo- like isolated moments over the past eight years. Like there was a song about obviously um, the champagne, which was the first one. There was a song called Partner in Crime, which I w- wrote for my husband. Actually, One Hit Wonders about Mike. Masquerade was about, so there's a lot about him. But um, yeah, so I wanted to combine them all into an album and I have a few other songs too, but I just felt like this collection really worked. They were all kind of tell, they all kind of told stories of my life and in a way that I thought was catchy and fun and made sense and something that I am proud of, so. So Masquerade is about your wedding. I was gonna ask you if it was about COVID because there's a line or there's a lyric where he's like, come over here and take my mask off. I I know. That's risky. (laughs) It's funny, I know that's taken on a whole new meaning now. Um, But yeah, we we met at Halloween. Mike and I are, are like, what Christmas is to Mariah Carey is what Halloween is to us. Like we are insane for Halloween. We celebrate like half Halloween on April 30th because it's like six months to Halloween. So we decorate the house, we dress up in costumes. Oh, I love that. Like, That's a great idea actually. Yeah. We did especially along. This year, cause we were in quarantine, right? Like we're like, let's just freaking decorate the house with Halloween decorations. And our neighbors walk by, they're like, Oh, but you didn't stop there. They even got one of those purple smoke things. They did a whole photo shoot with the smoke coming out of the pumpkin and they're all we, cute. We did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> did. Yeah, we take Halloween really seriously around here. Um, well, where's I going with this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm, know. I'm, I think we could talk about Halloween all episode. I know. I, I, I get talking. Oh, right, right, right. So yeah, we met at Halloween and then we had a Halloween themed wedding. So that was one of the songs that, or sorry, a masquerade themed wedding. So that was one of the songs that I wrote for that. Partner in Crime was the song that, we had played during our like vow ceremony, I guess, which was really small. And then Masquerade was played at like the party, which was pretty epic. Partner in Crime is kind of like the most emotional one. There's like, I don't know if you call it a hook or I'm not a singer, but it's like, there's a part where it's really like melodic and makes you feel something. Yeah. Like like clips right now. Yeah. It's like, so the part like, so I'll hold, so I'll hold my hand up. I swear that I'm in love. I'll cross my heart with your touch was like obviously kind of like my vows. So I kind of put them into a song. Um, so it's yeah. It's easier when you don't have the music to go along with it. It, it is, <laughs> I know, if you can hear the song now, but yeah, maybe we can like dub it in later or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love that one. I don't know. There's not a song that I don't like, honestly, on the album. Me neither. And I think that's what's most important is when you do create something like that, it's so personal. I know lots of like huge, massive stars that the one album that people didn't like of them even was the one that was the most personal. So at the end of the day, if you've created something you absolutely adore and that has represented everything that you wanted to, you've succeeded. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and again, like I, I did this for me and the fact that, you know, people are enjoying it is- And obviously your husband too. You did it for him because yes. a lot of the songs are about him. <laughs> and Milo, my cat Milo, of course. Everything's <laughs> My owner Milo. Your owner, <laughs> yeah, right. You're right, Brittany, you made me think of Blackout. I think of Blackout in this album because they came out on the same date and I wondered if that was intentional too. No, they did. That wasn't. But um, Blackout's probably my favorite pop album of all time. So and Britney. But you al- but you also heard that Jeff writes his own music, though, yeah, right? Sh- that's okay. Minor detail. She wrote what? My baby, maybe, which is her <laughs> worst song. No, Dear and, Diary. And excuse me, she co-wrote "I'm Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman." Let's not forget that one. Right. Right. So Lindy Dion's ever written a song. We're not going down this path. <laughs> Okay, um, Last Chance to Dance is really innocent and fun, but I really like that one too. 
Yeah, thanks. That one I wrote about turning 30 because I remember like, you know, you feel oh. gross. Now I don't like it as much. And the <laughs> feeling of dread when you turn 30. Right, because everyone's like, oh, you're turning 30 as if it's like the end of the world. And I'm like, honestly, I, I was excited about it. And um, that's obviously a running theme through all my songs. Like there's one called Forever Young, which is about like embracing the spirit of being young and having fun and who gives a shit how old you are. So yeah, Last Chance to Dance, I wrote about turning 30 and I'm like, I don't care. I'm 30. I'm still going to go out and like get crazy. So we did a little like video for that one in Las Vegas and I ended up like laying out on like Las Vegas Boulevard and like jumping from a tree and like almost jumping into the fountain at the Bellagio. Like we took that, that, that like turning 30 thing and having fun a little too seriously. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. So that's- But then it turned into the best, probably one of the most memorable birthdays you've ever had, right? Absolutely, yeah. We actually- I 100% agree with you. I remember turning 30 and being so scared that like, there goes my youth, it's all over. But it ended up being the best birthday ever. Yeah, and we actually met Britney Spears that night in Vegas. <gasps> FYI. Did, like, was she just barefoot at a gas station, or did you pay? No, I, wish, <laughs> I wish she was. Um, it was at, after the show, at the, like, the meet and greet situation. Oh, she God. wasn't picking up Marlboros at the gas station? Yeah, right. How was <laughs> it? Was she, like, all zombie Britney, or was so, she... Funny story. So my friend um, works in the music industry, and... Was able to get us into the meet and greet, which was amazing. And there was a group of like super fans that were in front of us that were all like, I'm a super fan, don't get me wrong, but I'm not like in tears, like hyperventilating, like gonna die, you know what I mean? Because like Britney's a pretty, she's like a deer in headlights, she's pretty fragile. So I feel like if you approach her like that, she's gonna be like, so there was a group of people like that. And then there was us in the middle. And then there was like high rollers that probably spent like, 50 grand at the casino that night. And they're like, okay, we're going to send you in to meet Britney. Here's your perks. So um, after all the like, um, you know, sobbing and crazy fans went through, she actually took out her earplugs. And then we went up and she was like, hi, I'm Britney. So she was like, not (laughs) into the first group. But um, yeah, we we got to say hello. And it was like super quick. Of course, her people are like very um, efficient, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, but she was sweet. I don't think she, I mean, that was four years ago before this whole like craziness. So she wasn't all there, right? You know, she was there, but kind of distant. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's sad, but yeah, I don't know. Um, It happens. It happens to burnout. So like, be careful if you get really, really massive, you will risk burnout. Look at Justin Bieber. I remember the last concert I saw him at, it was sad to watch him. Yeah. It was legit. You could feel his like loneliness and his like lack of want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And she did put on an amazing show, but after the fact, she was just kind of like, I think, okay, I want to go home to my kids. I don't think she loves the, um, you know, spotlight in the way that maybe she did 20 years ago. Right. Well, they say you can't handle being famous before you're like 30 or 25 at least. And if you think about all these people that got huge, Justin, Michael, Brittany, I mean, there seems to be some truth to that maybe. So you're at the right age. (laughs) Yeah. They also say that like the age you become famous is the age you stop maturing. So like Justin Bieber became famous at like what, 12 or something. So Mm -hmm. mentally you're like kind of a 12 year old forever because you stop living in the real world. You know, everyone kind of caters to you and does everything that you need. So explains why he's a little bit of a brat. 
Right. Well, Jeff, if you start to get burnt out, just expand your circle, form a boy band, and okay. I will be joining. Okay, perfect. Are we in like a gay? But well, and sync. I don't know. Well, there was gay. There's been gays in boy That's bands, true. but right. not full gay a boy full band. Gay boy band that I'm aware of. Well, the three of us could just start a like you know mixed gender group, S Club Seven. Hello, we could be like. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Jenna could be an honorary gay man, like Kathy Griffin. <laughs> <that's fine. laughs> She All our names start with J, so like J Club Three, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. But seriously, I I need to talk to you off air about the producer for Teen Magazine because my goal in life is to have one song like Kim Zolciak from Real Housewives. Don't be tardy for the party. <laughs> I don't want an album. I don't want to take your career. I just want one song I can perform drunk at parties. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a must. Okay. All right. So oh, yeah, go ahead. No. Oh, I heard a big breath. No, I'm just looking at you. Uh, the reason, Jenna, I knew you'd get along with Jeff is because I want to talk about this blog, Sparkling Winos, huge yeah. famous blog with his sexy husband. They write about wine. I believe it has to be sparkling, though. That's like the caveat. Yeah, that's kind of our focus. Um, again, another like funny little side hustle. Like we're, we wear many hats, I guess, but that was something that also stemmed from my blog. Like, like I said, that I started when I was 25, these 20 things I wanted to do before I was 30. One of them was to learn about wine because you'd go to a restaurant and they hand you like this Bible wine list. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. And I don't want to just be like, Pinot Grigio, you know, forever. So <laughs> I was like, let me learn about wine. So I started studying it and I did for, uh, well, I've done it for like five or six years up to this point, but after three, like in my, like as an adult learner, like at night school, and there's no better way to learn than to drink while you're doing it. It's literally the most fun. Like I don't even, I, I didn't hate going to school. It was the first time in my life where I'm like, I can't wait to go to school. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I learned about wine and then we're like, all our friends were like, you guys should start a blog. You guys know so much about wine and they're always asking us like what to, what to buy and what to pair with what and whatever. And so we're like, okay, maybe we will, but we want to set ourselves apart and do something different. And we do call ourselves effervescent gentlemen. You know, we might have a little bit of flair. Um, so we're like, let's do a sparkling wine blog because honestly, that's what we have always enjoyed. Um, we've met each other 16 years ago now. Um, and <laughs> Which for anybody- That's a long keep, time ago. That's like 40 yeah. years yeah. in the gay world. I know, I was 18. So yeah, Mike's a bit of a cradle robber, I guess, but um, it's fine. Uh, so we- enjoy we, it. It's, he's not complaining. Yeah. No. So we met, yeah, 18 years ago, and our thing was always sparkling wine. Like, we would, dr we would drink sparkling wine on, like, a Tuesday watching, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race. I don't know. And all our friends were like, what are you celebrating? Like, that's weird. And this was, you know, before the whole Prosecco thing when people were really into, you know, bubbles all the time. Um, so that was what we got kind of known for. And so, yeah, when I started studying wine and when we started to do the blog, that's what our focus has always been. And we've kind of amassed a really cool and like loyal audience on that um that have kind of embraced that whole idea too um enjoying bubbles all the time and yeah what else can i say about it i don't know i want to know because we ask everyone that we've had on the podcast who has started something with their significant other i always ask what is it like working and working with your significant other um it's interesting because we both have like nine to five jobs that are vastly different but they both contribute certain skills to what we do together with the blog. Like I do web design and stuff and Mike um, is an urban planner. So he has a great understanding of like maps and geography, which is very important when it comes to, you know, the world of wine. So it's been a fun way for us to use our skills 
in a way that allows us to do something fun together and also exercise our creative muscles because our nine to five jobs can be, you know, nine to five jobs. It's like, can be a little bit redundant sometimes and not always like so colorful. Um, so the blog is a really fun way to, you know, do that. But um, I will say that it's, I actually, I wouldn't say that it's gotten harder with COVID because now we both work at home. So it's like, there's no separation from our day jobs and our evening jobs. And then the music thing, it's just all kind of like one big world of right. stuff. I thought you were going to say when you said Mike was an urban planner and he knows maps, he knows where all the wine stores are in the city. So you don't have to use your <laughs> GPS. We both know that. That's, that's something that I'm very skilled at. Yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations? Cause we have a lot of listeners that do enjoy wine and some that like enjoy it, but just don't know anything about it. Jesse doesn't know anything about it. He buys the worst wine. I hate it. But you still drink it, bitch. I know I'll drink it. Um, <laughs> however, do you have like a suggestion for a sparkling wine that is for like a very, like a $20 or under? And then one, if you just want to get a little bit fancier at the end of, uh, you know, a special occasion one. For sure. There are, there's so many. And the big misconception is that sparkling wine is going to be expensive. I don't know. It has this association with it that it's like luxe and, you know, whatever, a special occasion thing, but it's really not. There's so many examples that you can get in the LCBO or I guess in the SAQ um, or worldwide in any wine store. Um, Prosecco is mostly under 20. And with Prosecco, it's a very fruit forward, easygoing, lighter style of wine. If you want something that's a little richer and more complex, um, Cava, which is from Spain, is a great option. Yes, I forgot about Cava. No, Cava Thank kind you of for has that reminder. You no, know, they kind of have like lost steam in recent years, but it's still great. Um, there's a category called Cremant, like C R E M A N T, um, for the francophones out there. Um, so that's sparkling wine from France that's not from Champagne. So Champagne's like a small geographic area. So these wines are from elsewhere in France that are um, made in the exact same way, um, often using different grape varieties than Champagne, but sometimes the same. Um, and they're typically in and around $20. So those are great uh, examples. And there's also a ton of, believe it or not, great wines made here uh, in Ontario um, in our backyard, whether it be in Prince Edward County, which is not far from you guys in Ottawa, uh, or the Niagara Peninsula. So support local where you can, especially now, I mean, with COVID and everything, so many of the wineries are at risk, not to like get dark here for a moment. No, but it's true though. At it's risk of, you know, closing because they don't have the tourism that they once did. And, um, you know, they need, they rely a lot on, you know, Direct tours. Yeah, a lot on tours. Is Prosecco traditionally lower sugar too than most sparkling wines? Um, all about that these days. Actually, no. Prosecco is a little bit more sugar because it is fruit forward and more youthful. They have that little bit of sugar to help balance out the acidity and make it a little bit more um, approachable. But the thing about Prosecco is it's a little bit lower in alcohol. So it's not going to have as many calories as you know, something like a bigger red wine or like an oaky Chardonnay. So if you're watching the waistline and you don't want to do cool sculpting. Just, <laughs> or you just can't afford it. I don't know anyone who's like, oh, I don't want to do it. Right. Can't afford it. Right. <laughs> do you guys get into other wines that aren't traditionally sparkling? Like, you know, every once in a while, some red wine brand will try to add bubbles and you're like, eh, should I try it or not? Yeah, we do. We try to keep it focused because that really is what sets us apart. Um, and our whole thing is trying to straddle the line between making something fun and exciting and visually interesting, but also like sprinkling it with knowledge. So all of our posts, if you look at us up on Instagram, which is at sparkling winos, um, they're all really colorful and bright and like fun. Um, but 
we do try to like teach everybody something. So they're great for like people that are just learning about wine or don't know anything. And they, they just want to kind of like dip their toes in the water, but also for people that are, you know, really well versed in it. Um, they'll definitely learn something new. So yeah. And we've traveled all over the world learning about wine. I should say like we've been here, there and everywhere over the last little side hobby. You guys have almost 40,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously a, a successful endeavor. Yeah, we've been very lucky. We've got sponsored to go all over the world. We were actually supposed to go to Georgia, like the country, which is the birthplace of wine, which I thought was really interesting. That is so interesting because I had no idea. You always think of the birthplace of wine being like France, Spain, Italy, one of the old world, you know, but I had no idea. It was Georgia. Um, But yeah, we we didn't unfortunately get to go, but... Yeah, we've been to France, Italy, Germany, all those places like many times. And it's, it's amazing. And there's, there's so, so, so much to learn. Um, and again, tasting wine while you're learning is pretty much the best way to learn. So. Ah, amen to that. So is there one thing then, we mentioned COVID, a lot of people are starting new projects during this time, whether it's a podcast or a blog, what set yours apart to get to that level? Because not everybody who starts a blog about sparkling wine is going to achieve that level of success. So is there one thing you guys did? Um, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I, people always ask that question and I really don't know. I think that we were early adopters of Instagram on our own, like on our own accounts or whatever. So, um, we had made a lot of connections that way. And so when I think, I think when we started the blog, you know, we had a great network of people to kind of, um, check it out. But I really think what helped push it to where it is now is again, the fact that we had a, a lane and we, we stayed in it. Like it's a different point of view than most other wine blogs. Um, and that we make it accessible to everybody and colorful and fun. Like it's not serious. We're not going to sit there and be like, Hmm, you know, like snobby. We, my whole, my whole kind of like point of learning about wine was to demystify it and, you know, take the snobbery out of it. So that's what we really wanted to do with this blog. And I think that, um, we, we, we have been successful at doing that. And I think that that's why people are responsive to it. Um, before we let you go and maybe have a little glass or two of that sparkling wine, back to the music. I have two really fun questions that I like to always ask people, uh, musicians is one, who would you love to collaborate with? Whether it be on the mic or off the mic, what is one artist or person in the music industry you'd love to collaborate with? Okay, for sure, Carly Rae Jepsen. Are you guys fans? I'm a huge... Okay, well now here we go. And I have a follow-up question to that question. But we, I love her music because it's sort of in that catchy, boppy sort yes. of... So I, I'm a huge fan of her music. Unfortunately, we, I wasn't there, but there's Meeting a Meeting her in person's another story. I'll just put it that way. Because okay. I did... I met her twice and she was amazing. So we have to swap stories. Well, let's do it right yeah. now. No, no, no. <laughs> But this was in a like backstage setting where it was like, you know, the fans weren't seeing what was going yeah. on yet. So it was Well, a the lot other of- one I had an in- incident was her meet and greets. You know Avril Lavigne's meet and greets? Oh my God. Hers yeah. were about comparable to that. It was not a meet nor a greet. It was walk up, stand a foot away from her. And this was like, this was like seven years ago. So like Call Me Baby had just come out, but it wasn't the massive, massive hit yet. It was on its way, and it was a music festival in a small, North Bay, Ontario. Like, there's not thousands of people there, and it was just very not personal. And to me, it's like, you're not that level yet. Like, you know, like, you got to shake hands and kiss babies, and then once you get to the Madonna level, then you can just 
do the classic Avril Lavigne sort of photo shoot. So I hate that I have those two horrible impressions from her because everybody else says she's lovely. <laughs> Maybe it's you. <laughs> and she's this like awesome Canadian artist. Like how can we not support Yeah, I, I, totally. And that's why I love her first and foremost. Um, and, I, and I would, when you say dream collaborator, obviously it's her because I think she has the same kind of pop, you know, sensibility and and nostalgic kind of thing running through her music, which which I love, which I feel like would make sense. Um, but yeah, when we met her, she was so lovely. She we went to see her in Pittsburgh, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I hate Call Me Maybe. Like, I don't I don't think of that as Carly Rae Jepsen. To me, it's like the Emotion album and onwards. Right. Um, but yeah, we saw her in Pittsburgh for the Emotion tour, and. Uh, we were like, hi. And we were like, oh, we came from Toronto and she lost her mind that we drove all that way. And she was like, hang on a sec. She grabbed her phone, took a picture with us and posted it on her Instagram. And I was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. Like this chick is so cool. Maybe we just caught her on some really bad days. Like, Maybe. you know, mm-hmm. everyone's allowed to have their horrible Mariah day, you know? Right. Oh, I love right. Mariah. Um, another question I like Wait, to, oh, I had a follow-up to that. So you meant that's collaborator. Who's your dream like diva? Like every gay has one. This is one of my go-to questions with guys on Grinder, by the way. Who's your diva? Because yeah. tell you learn a lot about a person. So and who's that's, yours? That's a great opening line on a grinder conversation, honestly. And it's an easy way to like Nice you know. dick, who's your diva? It's an easy oh. way to filter out the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's not get out of first the dick. Nice dick. Okay, by the way, who's that's your the diva? diva. Double D. Easy way to filter out the ex Tina fans. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Um, Mariah Carey is my ultimate. Oh really? Yes, I, I just, well, first I've been a fan since I was like five. Like, and I read her autobiography the day it came out in a one 11 hour sitting. Like I, I just, oh, wow. I stayed up to like four in the morning. I'm like, I need to know what happens. I was like on the edge of my seat. It's like, as if I'm watching, I don't know. I'm reading it right now. I'm at, I'm just finishing the chapter about her mom. And I had no idea that was such a crazy relationship. Yeah, it's pretty dark, honestly. But I think what I love about Mariah most, I mean, yeah, the music, of course, is amazing, but I love her sense of humor. I love how she embraces that, like, over-the-top diva-dom. If you haven't seen her on Good Morning America, when she had, um, who was it? I can't remember the host at that time, but they went over to her house for Christmas drinks in the morning. It was, like, 7 in the morning. She's wasted like making cocktails and there's like a random santa claus in the kitchen like a live santa just hanging around there's like reindeers outside like it was the most chaotic insane thing but i'm like that's just so mariah that's why i love her with the big pink thing on i remember it yes yeah 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 exactly another one of jenna's favorites (laughs) (laughs) i actually like mariah more so these days i like now that like when she was open about struggling with bipolar like that just kind of put everything into perception and it also makes you realize that like you don't always like jump down people's throats for their behavior because there could be something else going on that we just don't understand. And she is a bit of a reminder of that. And it's so easy to jump on that bandwagon of like hating her because she's so rude to other people. And that's my thing. At the end of the day, it doesn't come down about like what you do. Like, I don't care if you act like a diva, but when you're mean to people, I don't like that. And that's why I had those issues with both of them. Yeah. So actually I'm a nice person. Okay. Okay. My other answer though to that would be share which is like, oh, whoa, everybody. But that's just like the gay, she's like the queen vampire of our people. That's not even, that's just a no. gift. And also not to brag, but we did also meet Sharon Vegas, just saying, which honestly was like the, basically meeting Jesus. I'm like, there's nobody else at that point that is like that amazing. And she smelled like a brand new car. I have to throw that in there. Like she, <laughs> what? 
Interesting. <laughs> like, like I'm like she's it's because she's so plastic yeah. that she <laughs> smells so fresh and new. I guess I don't know, but like I I don't even know how old Cher is at this point. I feel like seventy five. I think age is irrelevant with her. Yeah. Like it, she doesn't have which any. body part. Yeah, <laughs> which, which body part are we talking? I know it's like Isabella Re- Rossellini and um, Death Becomes Her. Like yeah, she could be, you know, she took the potion for sure. But um, yeah. I, she was, Cher was the nicest person ever and smelled really, really good and had like a lot of makeup on, obviously, but like did not look old, which was so weird. And I'm like, right. you know, remember when Believe came out and she had obviously so much work done and everyone was like, oh, Cher, all that plastic surgery. But it's like sunk in now where she has not aged in like 30 years. So. Right. It's because they tightened her up so tight that by now it's actually kind of come down, you yeah. know? Like, it's like whenever, if you've ever had braids done, like they do them so tight at first, <laughs> yeah. but then you start to come it's down. It's settled. Whatever. She looks better than yeah. any 75 year old I know. I know. Um, and the final question to wrap this up is what do you have? Do you have any piece of advice for anyone looking to maybe follow their dreams of getting into music? Yeah, my piece of advice is just fucking go for it. Um, I thought, sorry, I thought he was going to say just fuck off because I just... Oh. <laughs> There's enough competition. I don't need you in there too. No, um, just go for it. Like, honestly, like I said, it was a dream and a bucket list thing. And then I did it and it was so rewarding. And there's so many, like I said before tools out there now to do it. So the, the only thing holding you back is yourself and your worry of like what other people, you know, are going to say about it, but that doesn't matter. Who cares? Like fuck everybody. That's what I like to say. Fuck everybody. Oh, and one last thing, Jeff, you're one of the only Toronto gays I've ever talked to that says you love Ottawa. So can you please tell everybody why Ottawa is so cool? Well, I, I just feel like I, I was there for the first time a couple of years ago and I, I just, first of all, it's like the cleanest city ever. The people were so nice. The restaurants were amazing. I just had the most amazing time. I don't, there's not like one specific thing about it, but I really, really liked it. I don't know. Oh, wow. I'm like quite impressed with that. Yeah. And I've been here for six years and I'm still not really sure I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping to come back this, this, uh, this year, but I think Ottawa is just one of those feel good places that when you leave, you get a new appreciation for it. Like, oh, that was a cute little town. It's also like a nostalgic thing too, because a lot of people went like on trips when they were in like high school to parliament and it's also, it is, there's something homey about it for sure. We're trying, but Jenna's yeah. moving to Toronto. You guys are there. I might not be far behind. We'll see. Knock on wood. Right. Knock on wood. <laughs> Once you hook me up with that teen magazine producer. I, I know. Yeah. We got to get you with, you know, I'll help you write it. Party for the party 2020. Seriously. Or just sell me teen magazine. Cause I love that song. That's my favorite <laughs> song. At first I was like, you want to be on a, you're too no, old, I know. Jesse. That's the thing. Is that here I'm doing my like aerobics workout in my basement and it's like listening to teen magazine. I'm like, is this creepy that I'm listening to this and loving it so much? <laughs> Put me in a teen magazine, but it's such a catchy song. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. That was like one of the newer ones. And honestly, it wasn't my favorite when I finished it. But then I'm, I grew to love it. So. Oh, I love it so much. It's, it's, it's just great. We're going to go listen to it. Right. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, OMG guys. Classic. Follow him on Instagram, OMG Classic. Spotify too. Spotify. Oh. Download this album. If you want to know or care what I'm listening to during my, you know, 80s workouts, it's this album, One Hit Wonder. And also check out their blog, Sparkling Wine. It was on Instagram. Thanks, guys. Pleasure talking to you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers Sophia. Cheers, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs>